Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experience with birth. These episodes were brought to you by Nice to Meet You Ireland, which was founded to bring women together. In this week's episode, we chat to Carol, and she talks us through her four pregnancies and births. Carol has given birth in a hospital environment, at home, and also had a water birth. Carol also gave birth to her third child um, in New Zealand, so she talks us through the experience there. Carol is actually really in tune with her body, and she talks about the fact that she can feel the babies come down through her pelvis, and she also birthed one of her babies, the baby that she had in New Zealand. Um, it was an OP birth so uh, that was the first one that the midwives had ever seen um being birthed at home when I'd have to transfer so that's a really interesting story as well so let's get into today's episode so first of all thank you so much for agreeing to share your story I'm really excited I know you have four um amazing births to share with me so do you want to yeah. just touch on your first three births and then we'll deep dive yeah. into your your most recent one so do you want to just start by giving me a brief introduction um about you basically yeah, uh, so my name is Carol. I am a mummy of my four. I am a Pilates teacher and soon hopefully also to be a yoga teacher. Yeah. Um, in my Pilates work, I take a, a quite a strong interest in pre and postnatal Pilates, generally women's health and how we can um, support women better, inform women and not just women, but partners as well. You know, every everybody who's involved in the birthing process because I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, here through my story, I, I think it's a my story. I think it's a really wonderful, natural, beautiful, magical thing. Um, and in Ireland, unfortunately, we don't. We generally speak, and we don't have that beautiful view yeah. of it. Um, and I would like to share that or spread that as much as I can. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement as well. I think that we're 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 getting there. I think it's we're starting to unravel yeah. something, and people are like women are speaking about it a lot more openly than they were. So fingers crossed, will there be a change on yeah. the way? Yeah. So my my first birth, my oldest daughter is actually twenty. I was very young when I had her. I was sixteen uh, when I had her. Um, but even then, even at that young age, I, I still had the natural I had a natural interest like I wanted to have a water birth and when I mentioned a water birth in the womb they just looked at me like I had 10 heads like this 16 year old coming in looking for a water birth we didn't even have any pools in Ireland then like, yeah, they yeah. <laughs> so they were just like whoa what is going on um and that birth was it, it was it was beautiful it was um but it was a very kind of typical hospital birth um 17 hours uh went into labor naturally um 
contractions were normal got into the hospital they broke my waters for me okay uh, a while for me to push i had an epidural with uh my first um i guess in there just doesn't agree with me it makes me weepy unfortunately and um it, this was back in the day when there wasn't so much time waiting for him consent so i'm not really sure whether there was an epidiotomy or not okay um there were some stitches, I, I, I do know that. Um, there was talk of the forceps, but I don't think it was actually used in the right. end. Um, but again, this is all back in the day where, uh, for anybody who's listening, where, where you're kind of back here and the doctors and the nurses are down there talking about what they're going to do to you as opposed to with you speaking to you or with you or asking you questions or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's a it's a very different time to how it is now but you know the, the birth went really well in the end and um she's a little bit of jaundice but all my children do um and i i still feel like it was this beautiful wonderful experience i yeah i, I enjoyed it you know um so then you, you get people going, you know, coming to you and saying, you know, how, how was the, how was the labor? How was the, how did it go? Like and me in my naivety went, Oh, beautiful. It was really nice. It was a beautiful experience. And then you get the Irish kind of like, they look at you like you're on crack or something. Yeah, <laughs> like no, were, I know. I, I get it as well. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, well, you can, you can imagine as a 16 year old, you're trying to tell them you had a beautiful birth experience yeah. and they're just like, this this isn't wrong with her she's that's not right you know so I actually rather than trying to defend myself or defend my my thoughts and I just start with people asking me that question I just said oh it was terrible because they would accept that yeah and they would just oh yeah I know it's horrible isn't it um which is really sad but you, you pick your battles right when you have a newborn baby exactly. pick your battles and you, yeah. you know what you want to fight and what, you, what you don't want to fight um so then I so uh, my second daughter is now five years old and when I got pregnant with her I, I kind of knew that I had to because I, I had been saying for so long that, that my first birth was terrible I knew that I had to get my head out of that language I knew how, I knew I had to get out of that headspace so I started looking into hypnobirthing and that sort of thing um and i found gentle birth and we did a gentle birth course myself and my husband and it was wonderful um i am one of these people on, on paper my pregnancies are like textbook they're like you read the textbook and that's what my pregnancy looks like i don't generally speaking i don't have any problems i get tired i don't get overly sick or anything like that so again a good pregnancy um I fit and healthy. I was teaching Pilates at the time, so I was relatively healthy and aware of pelvic floor and all that sort of stuff. Um, did you teach, teach right up and like as close to your due date as you could? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. It was. It was at, at that stage. I was teaching Pilates part time. Okay. So I didn't. I did it like once a week or something like that. So it was fine. It wasn't like overly taxing or anything like that. Um, I had a full time job. I had nine to five as well, though. Okay. Um, and. That birth went uh, really well as well. So I, I was in really great headspace. I was really, I connected with my breath and I used my breath a lot for my uh, early stages of labor, the first stages of labor. And uh, again, it was another hospital birth, but I had uh, 
told the state I knew there was a pool in the coombe at this stage yeah so everybody who I met in the coombe went in every time I said I'm gonna have a water birth I'm gonna have a water birth so everybody I met knew I was gonna have a water birth and that's just where I was in my head that you know this just wasn't gonna happen unless it was a water birth I think you have to have that mindset and that energy to sort of um materialize that for yourself Uh, so it was a great, lovely first stage of labor. Waters broke themselves. Contractions started maybe, I think, four or five hours later or something like that. Um, and so at this stage in the coom, did they only have the one yeah. pool or was there multiple pools? Just one. Just the one. Okay. Yeah. So were you the, concerned then at that stage that I know because I wanted to have a water birth with my son yeah. and they said, well, it's just by chance that you could have one because it might be occupied. So were you, how did you deal with that? If you were so adamant on like, having the water birth. Yeah, I just, it was, it, it was just not in a like, I'm going to barge into that room kind of yeah, way, but yeah. just in my head, I was like, this is happening in the water. Yeah. You know, period. No, no, nothing else is, is, is going to happen. Um, and then also at the end, they're quite a practical person. So I like, if the pool is not free, the pool is not free. But yeah. I, I try to stay in my head. I'm going to be in the pool. We're going to be in the water, and I will labour and hopefully birth in the pool as well. Um, and thankfully, that's what happened. I, I tend to go from three centimeters to ten centimeters very quickly. So they took me up to the labour ward. I was sorry, I was labouring in the in the labour ward for I don't know. Let me think. Maybe ten hours or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, they brought me up. To, to, to the delivery suite to the pool room, the room with the pool in it, because I told everybody I'm going to have an water birth, so they all knew it where I want to be. Um, and I was three centimeters at that stage, obviously. They started to fill the pool, and by the time the, the pool was full, I knew it was time. I was starting to transition, I was starting to cry and say, I want to go home, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I got in the pool, and then she was born 45 minutes later okay so yeah i tend to go from three to ten quite quickly yeah um and that was the most just magical experience it was it was so um so internal like i know obviously your birthing is internal but i i just i just went into myself because i was in the pool nobody could come into my space nobody was touching at me or putting monitors on me or you know whatever and they were they were i have to say they read my birth plan and said yes i I read a birth plan because again it's about not having hard and fast lines about what you want to happen but your intention what what your intention for your birth is going to be and they they were great they they closed the blinds they dimmed the lights they were quite quiet um and the other really amazing thing was for, for my husband, for my partner, who's my partner at the time, they, um, he really knew what his job was, what his role was, because we had done gentle birth. That's what he got out of gentle birth. He knew what his role was. So at one stage, a midwife, before she had read my birth plan, she started talking to me and I was obviously in the middle of a contraction. My husband said to her, she's just in the middle of a contraction, give her a second. And the midwife kind of went, well, she can still talk to me. And I just ignored it all and just went into my, my space. And then she went off and read my, my kind of notes, my birth plan and came back and was, was very understanding. So it's nice to hear that they were accepting of the birth plan. Cause it's not always the case, you know, but it's really nice yeah. to, to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, they definitely were once they read it. Um, 
so she was born quite quickly and it, it was really I, I didn't have it again I didn't have gas and gas area because it doesn't agree with me I didn't have any pain relief with her um so the beautiful thing about that was I could feel everything it was so nice and it was so slow and controlled and peaceful like I could feel her coming down I could feel my pelvis opening which was was a bit scary but once I kind of talked to myself and I said okay we know that this is just the baby coming down into the pelvis uh, her head came out I was taking a few deep breaths trying to slow things down I could feel her shoulders twisting it was just it was so nice it was really nice um and they, at that stage, I don't know what it's like now, but at that stage, they tell you that you can't, they can't take the baby up out of the water for you. So you have to, once the baby comes out, you have to take the baby up out of the water and onto your chest. Okay. And you have to be on all four or like a forward kneeling kind of position. Um, well, that suited me perfectly anyway. I was happy to be that way. So when she came out, she, I, I, I scooped her up. They kind of, people kind of go, oh my God, how did you know where she was? She was in the water. She could have been anywhere. I always say you have this like instinctive knowledge of where your baby is. Like it's, it's just come out of you. You know yeah. where your baby is, you know, and uh, you don't even need to open. I don't think I opened my eyes even. I just, I just caught her. I knew where she was, you know. So I, I took her up onto my chest and she was the 37th baby born in the pool. Okay. So they didn't really have very much experience of it. I know now that babies born underwater, generally speaking, take a little bit longer to take their first breath to come around and start to cry and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they kind of got a bit, oh, she's not crying. She's not, you know, she's not oh, doing right, anything. Okay. I mean, she was fine. So after I'd say about a minute, minute and a half, they took her from me. They could, they could cord, took her from me. I had delayed cord clamping in my, um, in my birth notes but they they kind of you could tell they they were a little bit afraid of potential problems okay. but as soon as they took her away she started to cry they brought her back um do you think that considering how, how she was born like into the water that she was so relaxed that everything just took a second yeah 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 it's, it's quite well known now i mean that was five years ago and we didn't really have water birth so much in ireland it's quite yeah. well known that the babies that come out like that in such a slow control well sorry she she came down through the pelvis quickly but she birthed it quite slowly and naturally um they do tend to take longer to come around than uh babies who are born say on a bed or anything like that yeah. so um and again that was great placenta delivered um naturally and, and it was Did just get up on the bed for that no it, no. they took the water pool okay and i delivered it in the pool um the other thing about being in the pool is that or, or, or delivering in the pool is that uh again she was a 37 baby so people were kind of like really interested in that like we had a student doctor come in and he was you know he was kind of like wide-eyed looking at all this going on in amazement of like how calm and quiet it was and you know this baby is going to be born underwater and that sort of thing uh, but I'm I know that wouldn't be everybody's kind of cup of tea but for me I'm all about people learning mm -hmm. especially positive birth experiences like that if you can uh, encourage that and show that and let people learn about that isn't, isn't that a great thing so there was people coming in and out okay. but I thankfully was very much in the zone in my head like my husband tells me now of people who come in and out and I'm like I 
I didn't even know they were there. Yeah, because yeah, I was just in the zone. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a, a really wonderful experience. I think we stayed in hospital overnight one night with her and then came home. Um, and the third birth was, was in actually in New Zealand. Okay. So after having my wonderful water birth, I said, okay, there's no way I can do that again without having a water birth, right? Mm -hmm. So the only way to guarantee yourself a water birth in Ireland is to have a home birth. Like you say, there's that, you know, it's usually per chance that uh, you get the pool in the coom, you know, it's, it's not a, you can't guarantee that you're going to have it if somebody yeah. else is in. Um, so, yeah, so in my head, again, I'm, I'm all about, I'm a head person, in my head, I was having home birth for my next birth. Okay. Then the move to New Zealand came up. So, what brought you there? Uh, my husband saw a job on LinkedIn. Okay. I said, oh, look, I can do that. <laughs> and we went. Brilliant, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was Why not? I'll never forget the day he got, he says to me, they offered me the job. I was like, oh, shh. <laughs> yeah. We have to make a decision now. We have to decide whether we actually want to do this or not. So we decided to move to New Zealand and I was in my first trimester. So I probably literally just found out I was pregnant or just yeah. be probably just, just before anyway. Um, and the, the system in New Zealand is completely different to here. So it's like a world-class leading system maternity system um and it's very midwife it can be very midwife led if, mm -hmm. if if that's what you choose it can be um consultant led as well if that's what you choose as well so uh, i looked into what i need to do to get maternity care in new zealand and you basically want a website you pick a midwife who does what you want her to do so i wanted a midwife who would do home birth and who would do water birth yeah and I contacted this midwife and she emailed me back which is yeah i'm happy to look after you and um she was my care provider for my whole pregnancy. Brilliant. So yeah, it was just so straightforward. I went over, had my first appointment with her. It was great. They have um, they run private clinics for for stuff like blood tests and scans and that sort of thing. Um, I had two scans in total with my sec or my third baby, uh, the dating scan and the anatomy scan. Um, they kind of take a very natural approach to it like if you don't need a scan you don't need a scan so we don't scan you you know yeah. kind of thing um and again I probably wasn't as mentally prepared this time but I was pretty confident in myself in terms of how the actual labor would go okay pregnancy went pretty straightforward again it's a little bit tougher um moving hemispheres when you're in your first trimester don't do that if anybody's listening is thinking about yeah, doing I was that thinking. <laughs> don't don't do that it's not a good idea okay um uh so lily who you just met she just came in for the time yeah i was thinking that was probably her, yeah yeah uh her labor again i knew she was going to be born at 37 plus six i just knew from probably about halfway through my pregnancy I just knew that's that I didn't say it to anybody because you know you say these things that people are like you know what's she talking how does she know when the baby's going to be born but I just knew she was so the morning of uh, 37 plus 6 I woke up 7 a.m and uh contractions started um and we waited maybe like half an hour to call the midwife just because, you know, just in case. Um, 
and it was, it was really nice you had this room downstairs in the basement it was all set up and had lovely pictures on the walls and nice lighting and our salt lamp and the music and all that kind of stuff so it was really nice and like floor covering you know there was all the practical stuff done as well so we were down there um and I was laboring away and then the midwife got there and it was nice and calm and quiet so it was myself my husband and the midwife second midwife was still on her way and the okay. my den what would me have been two and a half was upstairs watching a movie which was a little bit naive I'll get to that in a minute um so was laboring away really well this was maybe 8 30 that the midwife got there so we're only an hour and a half in you know it's not it's yeah. not very long um and then my waters broke great naturally all clear all that good sort of stuff um and like i was saying i i could i had started to feel her move down through into the pelvis but then i knew instinctually i knew that she stopped coming down and i knew that there was a she wasn't i couldn't feel my pelvis opening anymore and i okay. was kind of thinking maybe it's because i'm not in the water or i don't know you know what's going on so i asked the midwife to examine me and it turned out that lily was op so oxford posterior so she was facing the wrong way um and they were very calm about it there wasn't the you know big hullabaloo um they they kind of let me keep going a little bit and probably about 9 a, 9 a.m yeah so about two hours in um sorry we knew that we weren't going to get the pool up at, at 8 30 the way the labor is progressing we knew we weren't going to get time to get the pool up and, and uh fill it so that kind of went out the window anyway so about 8 30 they started to ask me to or 9 a.m to to sort of try and squat um i had been on hands and knees all the way up through to try and squat and like kind of single leg side squats and that sort of thing to try and open up the pelvic inlet to allow baby to come down a little bit more mm. um but i just i just couldn't i like any women who can do a squat while they're in labor like hands up to them I can't I just I couldn't do it and I'm yeah. quite physically strong person yeah. you know but I, I just couldn't do it it was too painful for me um and then they had this idea of let's try on the toilet because in there <laughs> you, you, you kind of push naturally on the toilet mm-hmm. I, I in my head I heard the word toilet and I was like nope there's no way my baby's being born into a toilet. Just mm-hmm. no. My husband, he tells me now, he had the same thought. He was like, this, this, that, Carol's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. But I was so in the zone in my head. I didn't vocalize that. I didn't, I didn't let it out. I, I trusted the midwives kind of a bit. I was like, okay, well, if they say that this yeah. works, we'll, we'll give it a go. My husband didn't vocalize it either. All the while, we were kind of trying to look after the, the two and a half year old at the same time as well so it was a little bit uh a little bit crazy and there was this stairs in our house and I remember trying to get up that stairs to, because our bathroom was the only bathroom in the house was upstairs right. trying to get up that stairs in, in the midst of it um and, and then into the bathroom which was or the the toilet which is really small so there was the two midwives my husband and me in this tiny little cubicle to- like toilet it was just crazy we're pulling on towels trying to make the baby come down and that sort of thing and i i started i realized now that i started transition then i only was a transition then because they started crying saying i couldn't do it and blah 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 so then we moved into the bedroom which was just next door 
um, and uh, the midwives unfortunately they kind of gave up on me a little bit they kind of said okay look we're gonna to have to go to hospital but this is only probably maybe 10 30 so i suppose we were two hours in i was pushing for maybe an hour okay. so we're an hour pushing and they kind of thought all right we're gonna to have to transfer to hospital so they called the ambulance we tried to make arrangements to uh for the two and a half year old to go to a friend's house and I, again, I, for my pregnancy, I was saying to myself, I'm not packing a hospital bag because I'm not going to the hospital because I'm having a home birth, right? So in, in my head, I'm, I'm just not doing that. So when it came time to transfer to the hospital, midwives were like, where's your bag? I was like, I don't, I don't have a bag. Why would I have a bag? I'm not going to the hospital, I'm having a home birth. So uh, if you are planning on having a home birth, still have a bag it's really helpful so people aren't running around looking for your knickers and your nighty and your so on and so forth but i understand um, because even my, when i was planning my home birth i was like oh sure i don't need to do that i'm not going yeah. to hospital yeah no i completely understand yeah yeah um learned that lesson <laughs> um, you know they say you know they they talk about somebody running around like a headless chicken yeah my husband was a visual of somebody running around like a headless chicken trying to pack that bag at that time. Um, so anyway, the, the ambulance arrived at our house in Auckland and they put, a, I don't know what it's called when they put the needle in your hand for fluids and that sort of thing. The catheter, is it? I think so, yeah. yeah. So I was full on, full on like going to hospital. It, it, you know, it was going to happen. Um, and then the midwives tell me that I said... I'm not going. I don't remember saying that to them, but but that's what they tell me that I said. And they were kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and all the while, while we were waiting for the ambulance to get there, it was about half an hour. We were still pushing, still trying to get the baby to come down, like okay. one foot one foot on either midwife and pulling on my husband's arms on my back. The exact way I had not planned on yeah. this thing at all. Like it was, if you didn't want something to happen, what would it be? It was that. that yeah. <laughs> And how did you feel then? Like, did you feel stressed? Did you feel under pressure just to get that baby out to avoid going to hospital? Did you, like, were you uh, in acceptance of going or? No, I felt a little bit demoralized. I felt like, yeah. oh, crap, I didn't do it. Like, or, and I didn't really know what's going, what's going to happen. And they were talking about, I said, what are they going to do to me if I go to hospital? Are they going to section me? Or um, she said, no, they'll probably give you a von, or do a vontus. And I didn't, okay. I, so here we talk about suction. So right I've, I've heard of suction before I didn't know what a vontuse was mm -hmm. and she said I said what's a vontuse and she said oh don't worry about that and I was like whoa mm. hi wait whoa everybody just hang on one second and I think it was probably at that stage when I said I'm not going because everything just started to spiral out of my control and it just looked like this was going somewhere that I had no control over or that you know um I didn't know what was going to happen kind of thing so I I think that's when I said I'm not going because I remember going no f that like yeah. no, I'm not up for that that's not my game. So well, while we had been pushing, waiting for the ambulance, every time the contraction finished, the midwives would let my legs drop down and my husband would let go of my hands. Okay, and I could feel that that my pelvis closed again every time they did that. So once the ambulance got there and the in my hand and I decided I wasn't going to the hospital I, I, I kind of had to rally the troops a little bit I said to the midwives I was like don't drop my legs and don't stop pulling my hands and I kind of said now you push a little bit more and you pull a little bit more stop yeah. there don't do that you know I kind of had to rally the troops and I wish that I didn't I wish that there was kind of um 
I did have loads of support, but I, I just wish somebody had a little bit more faith in me. But, but they could read yeah. you a little bit better, maybe, instead of being so... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if they could read me a little bit better. Um, so then the, the ambulance crew were starting to get ready. They were trying to figure out how to get me out of the house because I knew I couldn't walk to the ambulance. It just wasn't yeah. going to happen. With a baby in my pelvis, like, yeah. it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I started to push, and I could hear the midwives going, oh, wait, oh, hang, hang on a second. Wait, there's, there's movement there. Oh, yeah, okay, come on. So they started to, to, to listen to me and um, uh, respond to me. And um, we, uh, I, I pushed Lily out at home. Okay. And it was great. And she came out OP, um, no tearing, not so much as a graze. Um, and, and she was perfect. She was doing a little bit of grunting when she came out, but, but that was fine. She had been squished for a while, you know, down yeah. in the pelvis. Um, and, and it was great. And the midwives were, were shocked but elated, obviously, that, that yeah. they didn't have to transfer. Um, and I know now that they, they had never had an OP home birth before. Every right. OP they birth, birth they had had to be transferred. So I kind of understand why they didn't really think that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had met an Irish mammy before. So yeah, I should <laughs> show how we do it, right? Yeah. Um, and also an Irish mammy who's a Pilates teacher as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, but it's great uh, that you could feel you're like you're so in touch with your own body that you could feel everything. So you knew because that could have gone exactly, a completely exactly. opposite direction. You know, if you had just said no, okay, let's go. But no, it's great. It's a good outcome. Really, yeah. outcome. Yeah, it was a, yeah the perfect outcome. And then the postnatal care there is amazing. Like she stayed mm-hmm. with us for um, God, a good four or five hours, check a baby. You know, baby was just on my chest for a while placenta delivered naturally again she wasn't the cord wasn't cut for i'd say maybe half an hour or something like that they disposed of the placenta all that sort of stuff so yeah so i'd say that was it was a good experience for them as well that they it was the first for them yeah it's brilliant yeah it was the first for them and i know that they now have had other women who've had op converts as well so you know once you get your first day of the way these things tend to happen again so yeah it was great and I was just delighted to be able to be at home and not have to go to hospital in New Zealand where we didn't have any family or yeah. you know anything like that so it was great yeah so then you um your next pregnancy so you were pregnant during COVID as well like myself how did you find that well he was born just before just before lockdown happened um and uh like it it was fine so again this pregnancy there was a lot of issues in inverted commas or or things that they wanted to investigate in the hospital that all turned out to be absolutely nothing but because you're having a home birth they they want to do extra scans and extra tests and extra checks and Mm -hmm. you know all this sort of stuff um so they on my anatomy scan at 21 weeks because i have i go from three to ten centimeters quite quickly they measured my cervix um, and it turns out my cervix is short right so it's okay. 2.4 centimeters and it's usually around about four centimeters okay. so obviously a short cervix is a risk of preterm labor right okay um and um, i remember them doing that scan and it was the time it was one time when my husband wasn't with me for the scan 
um, he, I, I can't remember, I just said to him, oh, it's fine, don't worry, it'll be grand, you know, you don't need to come for this scan. And I remember them sending me then into the antenatal clinic and this doctor came in and was like, oh, so you have a short cervix. Uh, so what we do now is we will put a stitch in your cervix or we will give you progesterone treatment. And I kind of went, okay, so what, what does that mean for my home birth? Or how, how does, you know, what, what are the, the risks involved in that? Um, and if you have a stitch in this, you can't have a home birth, obviously, because they need to take the stitch off your cervix when you go into labor. Um, and progesterone treatment, she couldn't really tell me anything about the progesterone tablets that, that, that they would give me so or as far as she said they would give me um and at one stage she said sometimes they work sometimes they make the the cervix shorter and i was like whoa hang on a second how am i going to take something when it doesn't necessarily do the job i want it to do um, and then she she her beeper went off and she had to go i was like okay yeah. So I'll just hang out here with my lack of information and my, you know, um, no support. But she came back anyway and she said, um, so, you, so you want the progesterone treatments? And I said, well, no, I, d- I don't want that. Um, because- this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I don't want it to make my cervix shorter, you know, or uh, I said, I, I've had three really great normal births, you know, don't you take that into account when you, before you treat somebody uh, for something like that? Um, uh, so I, I did not, I, I, I declined the treatment, any, I declined any treatment on that day anyway. Um, so she then referred me to the preterm clinic. Okay in the coom um so i seen by prof daily and he 
basically runs an algorithm on you and it takes into account all these sort of uh, things like previous births, like your age, your um, your race is a big factor. Um, all these different things he takes into account that, that calculate your percentage risks of free term labor, free term labor. Okay. Um, which was great because some, alas, somebody was talking some sense to me yeah. as opposed to talking about statistics, you know, um, obviously statistics are important, but you know, you have to make this personal. This is my, my child, my, my, my labor, my birth. Um, so my risk was like 1% at 24 weeks or something like that. Okay. So I was happy with that. He was happy with that. But again, because I was having a, uh, a home birth, he wanted to see me, I think at, at 30 weeks and then again at 34 weeks. So again, I had, I went to see him then and they checked the, they called fetal fibronectin mm -hmm. so this um, hormone that's released before labor starts and I was really low on both days for the fetal fibronectin so again I wasn't my, my risk of preterm labor was really really low um, so that was great uh, so they he was happy to sort of discharge me from the preterm clinic at 34 weeks Brilliant. Okay. Um, yeah and so so the other sort of issues that came up again you probably know when you're having a, a home birth in Ireland, it's really difficult to get a GP mm -hmm. who will do your antenatal visits or antenatal checks. Um, luckily, there is one relatively close to me here because my own GP didn't do it. Um, I saw him once and it was, it was a very sort of... Um, it, it's not like your usual uh, antenatal checks, you know, it's not the the doctor that you know the doctor didn't know me at all yeah. he didn't know my history and that sort of thing so um but but it was fine it was one check and it was fine i had found my midwife um i didn't even know there was a public scheme here um for that's home the, birth that's the problem it's it's so, it's and it's free like it's just it's such a great service yeah i i thought this was going to cost us like ten thousand euro or something yeah. like that to, to to have home birth here um so I, I i found her purely by chance really i was going the private route and i met her and she told me that there was a that there was a public option as well and i i was like oh my god this is amazing we can actually yeah. do it because i was really um doubting whether we were going to be able to have a home birth because who has 10 grand or yeah. about four grand um lying around so so she was wonderful and was just a, like a mine of information for me and how, how we could um, navigate the system here because I was kind of aware of the pitfalls that you could fall into for example like the short cervix you know they can put a stitch in you without you realizing what the impact of that is um, so it, there was there was kind of a bit of toing and froing between how do I get all the appointments that I need to get in between a GP, whatever GP I can find that would see me, um, the hospital, and then my midwife because you only get a certain amount of visits with the midwife, right? You get it's five either side. Yes, yeah, yeah, ten, and then and then the birth, right? So, so for me, this is all just unnecessary work at a time when you need less work mm -hmm. the system just makes more work for you you know having come from new zealand where i literally picked a woman on a website 
and saw her the whole way through my pregnancy I was just like this is so unnecessary so time wasting you know just just wasting everybody's time um so I, I had to go back to the coup at 36 weeks because I didn't have enough visits between the midwife and my GP. I had to go back to the coom for one of my antenatal visits. Okay. It's probably not probably not a great idea. They did a quick scan on me and the GP went or the doctor said, Oh, how many weeks are you? Um I said 36 and she said, Oh, baby's belly is measuring a bit big and there's a bit of extra fluid there, so I'm gonna send you down for an extra scan. And I, like I know that the the um accuracy of those scans at 36 weeks especially around the torso is like yes. out the window it's about 25 percent or something like that but all the bones are measuring right the, like femur humerus all the bones are measuring the right date but his little tummy was measuring a bit big um and then there was a f like I, I wasn't even over the amount of normal fluid that you can have like i was still within the normal range but she just called it she just decided that I had extra fluid, extra amniotic fluid. Um, so that then led to me having to go back into the preterm clinic, being tested for gestational diabetes at 38 weeks. Mm -hmm. I went into the, the gestational diabetes clinic and the lady said to me, or the midwife said to me, how far are you along are you? I said 38 weeks. And she's like, why on God's green earth are they testing you for gestational diabetes now? What like what are they gonna do? Yeah. You do have it. Yeah. Like what are they going to do? You could, could like, I'm given my, so my babies were born at 39 plus five, 38 plus six and 37 plus six. So I could have already had the baby. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there was absolutely no point in them testing me for gestational diabetes. Uh, did, I didn't have it anyway. Okay. Um, so th there was all these extra tests and I, I, you know, I tested negatively for everything. Um, but the way the system is, is like if I remember speaking to my midwife and I was so telling her what's going on, giving her all the details, she's saying, you, you don't have um, polyhydro, something like I don't have extra fluid or I'm not in that category where I had the extra fluid. And she was telling me the, the details. So I, I was armed with all this information. If they did tell me that I had this when I, when I didn't, you know, um, so it's great to have the midwife there on the phone, like to, to back me up and give me all the information that I needed. Yeah. Um, but of course then she said, can you send me a picture of your notes? I was speaking to her the next day. She said, can you send me a picture of your notes? Because if they've written this one word, I can't remember, it's a really long medical term. If they've written this one word on your notes, I can't continue your care, you know? Um, I just, it's just this sort of stuff that's just, not necessary thankfully they hadn't okay um so so i could continue with my midwife care and it was just un un unnecessary stress on when you have two small children at home and you're heavily pregnant i wasn't really aware of covid at the time to be honest okay. Um, I don't really have any memory or recollection. Maybe I was blissfully aware it's blocked it altogether. Yeah, God. Yeah. Were you quite nervous um, then to share any further information with your midwife? For, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, not with my, my not with my my midwife because I trusted her. Yeah. 
I trusted her and also I um, respect her professionally. So like I respect that she has to work within certain guidelines mm. and there's nothing she can do about that, whether she likes it or not. They, it's her insurance. This country is run by insurance companies. Like, That's the whole GP you know, saga. Like, my exactly. own GP couldn't, couldn't take me. And I think there was um, an order for GPs to see us in Ireland. It's a, a bill of 18,000 mm. for them, which is like colossal. So that's some, yeah. another 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 issue that i'm sure we'll we'll tackle i think i think it, it will we'll get there but it's just it is yeah. a, a massive barrier yeah and like i understand that they're not insured yeah they're just not you know? i wasn't afraid of of telling my midwife anything i was afraid to go near the hospital again i didn't yeah. i didn't to, to have to see a doctor again or to, to to explain myself to a doctor or anything yeah. like that so, did you um because um, i found that some the reception was quite good sometimes in the coom but then i also had um a doctor say to me why do why would you want an a, a, a labor that's not medical no no you need to think about this and i was like <laughs> did yeah. you ever have like comments or anything that you would have found strange i thought it was quite bizarre that you said it to me when it was on my notes i'm having a home birth and then to say that you know yeah, I, I didn't, thankfully, I didn't have that, ex- that experience. Um, there was a few, like, kind of, like, one or two looks, yeah. you know what I mean? They kind of look at you like, mm, or they, they might um, they might sort of go, oh, she thinks she's having a home birth, but she's not having a home birth, you know, that, that kind of attitude. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm all about where my mind is at. Like, if yeah. I am in my head, if I'm having a home birth, I'm having a home birth. You can say what you want and you can think what you want, but yeah. I have a, a faith and respect for my body and what it can do. Yeah. And for um, your decision making, like, you know, if you've made that decision that, that that's, you have to go with that. You know, I'm an informed person. I'm not doing yeah. this like, you know, without, without any knowledge of what it is. I've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I've had a home birth before yeah. an OP home birth before. So yeah. I'm good thanks, you know? Um, and it's just it's just that that thing of being able to say like being able to decline treatment if you, if you don't want that treatment you can you have a right to decline that you don't have to take the treatment if you're feeling you're not given all the information or you disagree with the treatment um just having that sense of self and that power to say no thank you i, I respect your information but no thank you it's not for me you know yeah. Or let me think, yeah. let me think and research it because sometimes if you're sitting in a room with a consultant who you trust and who, yeah. you know, and then this information thrown out through you, just say, yeah, okay, you know, but yeah. just to give you, give you that time at least just to think about it and research it yourself, I think is an... Exactly. But I found that if you do get to the stage where you see the consultant, generally speaking, they're talking a little bit more sense. Yeah. I, I, I found... Um, you know, it's generally the junior doctors. Like, I'll never forget the junior doctor talking to me about a stitch and the progesterone treatment. And she literally took out her phone and Googled the guidelines for short cervix. I was like, and she was showing me her phone with the guidelines. And I was like, I, I could do that myself at home. Like, come on, man. Like, give me a little bit more than that. I need your experience. I need your knowledge, what you think, How, you know, could I get away with this? But it was just, no, look, here's the guidelines. So this is what we're going to do. So alternatives, you know, it's not just, yeah. Yeah. Could I, um, also being a Pilates teacher and knowing the, 
the the biology or the, the physiology of what yeah. goes on in there um i i'm very well aware of how to strengthen the muscles in that area to support my cervix a little bit more and that's exactly what i did and my cervix didn't shorten for the rest of my pregnancy okay. until you know i came to 37 weeks so um i know that's not a scientific uh treatment for that but in my head there's no doubt that it helps mm-hmm. you know to, to to strengthen everything down there um so yeah, I, I definitely think that the, you need a willpower, you need a self-determination and, a, and a, a belief in yourself, a belief in your informed self before you go in. Um, and w- what are seen as issues aren't always issues. They might turn out to be absolutely nothing at all. And the stress that that causes, I think, is, yeah. a, is something that's not talked about enough or not appreciated or recognized um because regardless of how strong you are in your mind you still say you know when they told me my cervix was 2.4 centimeters and it's usually four centimeters i'm like i have half a cervix here yeah yeah how am i going to get to 40 weeks with half a cervix you know um and then as always you're only human you you get the moments of self-doubt is this something i did is you know why, why is it so short when on my last pregnancy it was measured in New Zealand as well it was four centimeters so why okay. is it two point an hour you know there's it just it brings up all sorts of questions and doubts that um really affect uh the body physiologically in terms of stress we know that stress is a physiological yeah. effect body um so I think that needs to be taken into account as well yeah uh, process so we knew that when labor started with Zach here that it was going to be quite quick because my cervix is short yeah um and we had so because we knew it was going to be quick we had the conversation myself and my husband had the conversation with the midwife what do we do if you're not here or if nobody else is here okay so obviously the first thing is you call paramedics um and uh she talked us through positions to be in and you know how we need to do stuff if if she wasn't there um so i woke up on the morning of 39 plus two with zach i had been having um false like real strong false labors for about a week and a half it was pretty gnarly to be honest with you it's pretty rough um it's actually were, exhausting as well and that's stressful because you prepare i had it for about two weeks before eva and i would build myself up yeah. i prepare myself mentally and then it would you'd wake up and they would have disappeared it's tough yeah yeah physically emotionally yeah. everything and i my husband works um he's probably gone from the house maybe 12 hours a day so i was here okay. with the two kids by myself um it just and and also oh, i had gone much earlier on all of my pregnancies so i thought oh my god i'm go over with this one I'm going to be a juice you, your head runs away with you um but it is absolutely exhausting um again I woke up on the morning of 39 plus two and contraction started at 7 a.m or, or the the very early labor um started around 7 a.m and thankfully my mom had she had been coming up most mornings to kind of help me with the kids or you know do whatever she took um, Mia to preschool 
and she came back in from dropping me to preschool <clears throat> must have been about half eight or just, just before 9 a.m and she i remember her coming in and kind of i was in the kitchen at this stage and i remember i was crying at the kitchen table and i was like why am i crying my husband was still there i realized now that i was transitioning um but i was <laughs> yeah i was i was sitting at the kitchen table and i was crying um i wasn't particularly sad or yeah. happy i was just crying and contractions were as strong as they had been for the other pre you know pre-labors as well i remember my mom coming in and just very quietly just backing out the door with, with lily the two was two at the time and um I, I remember that and i think okay well it's good lily's gone now so she's got my mom and she's okay and you know so, so that's fine and then i wanted to be upstairs and uh came upstairs and my husband was there and I started to feel the urge I started to feel the baby moving down so about probably about quarter past nine so I told him or quarter past eight so I told my husband to ring the midwife so he rang her um and she was kind of like okay I'm, I'm, I'm on my way now wasn't really rushing because you know we're an hour and 15 minutes in i probably only started the second stage of labor yeah um and then my waters broke uh, again nice and clear thankfully we had had because um because I, I like to be prepared for this sort of thing i had rolled up a, a waterproof sheet a kind of padded sheet and some towels i had that rolled up along one wall in my bedroom and all I had to do was roll that out then okay. so that, that the floor was covered you know so I felt prepared in 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 that way and that there wasn't gonna be mess or anything like that um so we're in the bedroom with waters broke and then I really felt the urge to to push and come down so my husband rang the paramedics because we knew that my midwife is about 45 minutes away from my house we knew at that stage she wasn't gonna get here and how did you feel then? Um, fine. If if I'm really honest, I kind of felt in my head that that he was going to come quite quickly, kind of like I knew Lily was going to come at, at at 37 plus six. I knew he was going to come quickly, and I was pretty sure it would just be me and my husband there when it happened as well. So I I, I was okay, and and you know yourself when you when you're in the, the those deep deep contractions you know there's not much else that you can focus on you, you have to i have to go inwards you have to go into yourself and just control not control but um observe what your body is doing you know you can't stop it you can't make anything happen uh, you just observe what is happening in your body and they were coming so fast there was no break in between it was just it was happening you know um so i didn't feel nervous or, or scared or or anything like that um and then i remember being on the phone to the paramedics my husband had the phone on speaker obviously and i remember uh they were asking him questions like how old is your wife and my husband was like i don't, I don't know how old she is <laughs> she's 30 something <laughs> and she's like i'm 36 for god's sake <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they and you know go quiet for a while and they say how's your wife doing and my husband's like she's fine um you know are the paramedics going yes kind of thing so i remember i had a little feel to see if i could feel his head and he yeah. wasn't he 
he wasn't there at all. Um, so I was, I was kind of comfortable at that stage that somebody would get here before he came out. But then that 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 contraction happened, that primal, that that contraction that you know your baby is moving, that happened. And people always say to me, did, did you push the baby out yourself? And I'm like, no, my body pushed the baby out. Like I had no say in what was going on. I was just observing it. And the power of that <laughs> contraction. Oh my God. I love it. It's like, it's addictive, I think. like it's, Yeah, it is. That's the problem, Carol. Or <laughs> kids later. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing. And he, uh, he came down in that contraction. Uh, okay. The next contraction, his head came out. And then the next contraction, his body came out. Great. Um, so uh, I was kneeling on the bed. I, I, uh, or I was kneeling in front of the bed. My husband was sitting on the bed, and I remember hanging on to the, the buckle or the the belt loop of my husband's jeans, thinking, "Oh my God, this is so powerful! Like it's gonna, I'm gonna pull that thing off my husband's jeans." Like it was just so powerful. It's absolutely amazing. Um, his head came out, and I kind of, I was hoping like what happened with me when I was in the water, I was hoping his head would come out and I'd have some time for restitution or I'd find, I'd, I'd be able to feel his shoulders turning. Yeah. I literally had about five seconds and his body was on the way. Like there was okay. just, there was no time in between those contractions and they were coming that, you know, that was it. Um, so he came out um, onto the floor <laughs> And I picked him up and put him on my belly. Um, and I think all the while the um, paramedic was still on the phone for all of this. Okay. Um, and uh, I think about 10 minutes later, maybe the, par- the paramedics got there. Okay. And I was sitting on my bedroom floor. So, so the, the big thing about it is if you're going to go into labor by yourself, make sure your door is unlocked that the paramedics can get into you right yeah, that's <laughs> so a good point actually yeah <laughs> yeah it's practical tips that are really helpful <laughs> so um i was sitting on my bedroom floor and they came walking up the stairs and all i could see were their big mucky boots <laughs> and i was like could we take our shoes off is it like in, in new zealand you take your shoes off before you go into yeah. somebody's house but it's it's a thing that we do in our house and all i could see were these big mucky boots coming up the stairs walking into my bedroom and it's like don't come near me with your big mucky boots <laughs> because I knew we were fine. Like again, he took, I don't know, baby, sorry. Uh, he took maybe, I don't know, a good 20 seconds to cry or anything like that. Okay. But I knew he was fine as you kind of instinctually know these things, you know, that your baby's okay. You know that they're fine. You can, you can feel their little heartbeats. You can feel them, you know, warming up on your tummy, you know, when, when they're on your skin like that. And they just took his, um, they listened to his heart. They didn't do anything else. Um, they did say to me that, do you want us to cut the cord? And I was like, no, 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 yeah, no, no, just no. The, my midwife, thankfully, had warned us that the paramedics haven't got the, the memo about delayed cord clamping yet. Right, okay. And, oh, and they, that's another thing that happened as well. While we were, after uh, Zach came out and um, my husband, they were still on the phone. So it was just my husband, I mean, myself, my husband there and Zach at that time. The paramedic on the phone was saying, now get something to get your shoelace and tie it around the cord. 
and Mark was, I, Mark was, was my husband was saying, no, I'm not doing that. And she was saying, you have to do that. You have to wrap something around the cord. And Mark was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and I, I remember just saying to Mark, Mark, just say yes. Just tell them that just you tell did them it. Just tell them you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just tell them that it's done. He's like, oh yeah, okay, done. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so that was like a, like a, 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 thankfully, like I said, our midwife had told us that, you know, that might happen and just say yes, you know, just, uh, <laughs> Just tell them that you've done it um and then the midwife got there about 10 minutes after that so about 20 minutes after he was born okay um which was lovely i was still sitting on the floor in my bedroom we we're all just kind of sitting there waiting yeah. for <laughs> i don't know what we were waiting for really to be honest waiting for the midwife maybe um but he was fine like he zach latched on i'd say just after the paramedics got there so about 10 minutes after he was born um and then eventually i, I started to feel that my sacrum's quite sore so I was like can somebody help me up off the floor please I want to sit in the bed yeah so they helped me up off the bed um and I don't really know when it was probably like an hour or so no maybe half an hour later I delivered the placenta and then an hour or so after that um uh we cut the cord and he had a beautiful big long cord his cord was 80 centimeters long okay lovely and it had a full <laughs> knot in it and he i have a picture of the oh, knot wow, yeah, yeah. but because it was such a long cord it was quite a loose knot so it obviously didn't affect blood flow or anything like yeah, that okay they're amazing um, i love i love looking at pictures of them online uh, online they're just gorgeous aren't they yeah really yeah beautiful and it was so nice was, uh, the paramedics left pretty much as soon as my midwife got or as soon as the second midwife got there Okay. then they left um they didn't you know they were just standing there the whole time yeah. like i said they checked his heartbeat they literally did nothing else like not, not one other thing um and, and so it was really nice and then he were away yeah and he's the heaviest of them all he was eight pounds 14 um he latched on really well and then how were you yeah. then in the days after that do you feel that you experienced the baby blues or anything uh, thankfully not no um yeah I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that I, I i don't experience that too much yeah. um i think i have really um positive experience with my births and labors thankfully um which also obviously helps i have quite a bit of support around me as well my husband um is very supportive and we're kind of on the same page in terms of um like parenting in the early days and, and what his how he can help me and support me in, in those very early days which is great um he, the breastfeeding journey has been a little bit more tricky with him okay. like the other day others all breastfed very well um and no issues but he zach doesn't like to poo very often so um there's been some questions about like weight gain now he's, he's always gaining his weight but it just always surprises me that he, he's my fourth baby and you yeah. know there's still things I'm learning about breastfeeding about babies about everything you know people say to you and they say when I was pregnant they would say oh is this is your first baby and I would say no fourth and they'd be like oh you're you're an expert and I'm like you're never an expert no. at this this is like you never know how this is going to go or what's going to come up or what you need to um be aware of or yeah. learn you know so uh, yeah it's it's been great he's still feeding away which is great okay. but a lot of it's just been a little bit more challenging with him really but yeah you know 
I know because with my son Oliver, he was constipated a lot. And I know when I used to ring, like he was my, he was my first, so I was on to the VHI midwife mm. constantly. And I'd ring her and say, yeah. he hasn't gone for eight days. And she's yeah. like, well, is he breastfed? And then you'd think, God, the reason you breastfeed is for all these benefits. And then she'd nearly, yeah. you know, you'd think that you would breastfeed so they wouldn't be constipated. But it does. It just all, yeah. it's all so challenging, which is, which is great at the same time. But it does make yeah. you wonder if you're doing the right thing a lot, you know? Yeah. And I think as well, like we don't there there is a lot of support out there for yeah. for, for for breastfed breastfeeding mothers and parents but we still as a culture as a nation we still don't support it the way it needs to be supported like uh, i think it's a slightly generational thing as well yeah yeah we're coming around to it but there, there's there's still a you know i i remember going to the gp or he had thrush in his mouth he was like two weeks old um, and I went to his GP talking about the thrush in his mouth and she said and you know sometimes if you give them a bottle at night time it helps them sleep through the night and I was like why are we talking about sleeping through the night like yeah. why I, I didn't even talk about his sleep I'm here for the thrush in his mouth like yeah. why are you telling me to give him a bottle I don't I, I don't get it like and I only recently learned um that a lot of women in their 60s and 70s or 80s they wouldn't necessarily have breastfed they they yeah. When I thought that would have been the opposite, that they would have been all for breastfeeding, you know, for the obvious reasons, but they would have, they, no. Mm. So I was surprised yeah. by that. Yeah. And, and I think as well, it's kind of the same thing as the paramedics not getting the memo about the delayed cord clamping. It's just that they, they just don't have the information. They, yeah. they don't have the knowledge, you know. Um, so we, we as, as parents have to be so informed um and have to really do our own research and be intelligent about uh what information we're getting yeah you know i also um, i just think trusting your own yeah. your own decision making process and your own opinion is so important when it comes to pregnancy and having babies and even like just being a parent you know trust your yeah. own decision you don't have to always go on google or read this book you just have to go with your gut a, yeah. lot, a lot of the time you know yeah and, it, and it's a time when your own confidence can be quite low or, yeah. you know, quite, you can doubt yourself quite a lot, um, which makes it even trickier. But yeah, you, def- you definitely do have to trust your gut as much as you can. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's us. And now that's we great. have back here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely big eyes, doesn't he? He's gorgeous big He's eyes. Big, big blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he um yeah he's great his sisters love him a little bit too much sometimes he's my first boy so obviously the others are all girls yeah first boy first grandson as well oh great yeah i've done my duty now i've provided a grandson so i'm done now me (laughs) over no more kiddies no more kiddies I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you can send me an email at nice to meet you IRL at gmail.com and you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, nice to meet you IRL. I do have a website, it's nice to meet you IRL.ie and there you can find um, all of the episodes as well as information about uh, Nice to Meet You, which is the women's group um, that I set up originally. I look forward to bringing another episode next week. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.